I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Welcome to Bellwether. Thank you for being here this week. We are talking, this week is a great, fun, super topic. Uh, We're going burnout. We're talking about burnout, and I know you're feeling it. I know it's there. Um, Oh, boy, we got all kinds of things leading to burnout right now, so that's what we're going to jump into. uh, I actually meant to do this episode earlier on in the pandemic, and I didn't. Time got away from me. Um, (laughs) but, But the information... I feel might even be more relevant now than it was back then. Um, you know, there was so much uncertainty back then and the uncertainty has continued, but now burnout comes from prolonged uncertainty and that's where we are today. So last week I touched on uncertainty and the brain and what it does to you and, and how the brain responds to it and what it leads to and, and prolonged uncertainty in a nutshell so that you don't have to listen to last week's, leads to burnout. Um, And this happens because of a lot of different things. Uncertainty, we lose our mental shortcuts. We spend a lot of energy thinking about how we're supposed to respond. Um, And then workload piles up and everything else. And and if you do want to know more about uncertainty, then you can listen to the episode last week. But as we get this uncertainty of we're working from home, we lost our shortcuts, we don't know who to go to, the workload is piling up. Uh, that little free ride we got for about a month there where they were saying, we understand Corona's difficult is gone. Um, and so we need new energy. We need new shortcuts. We need uh, a new barrier between home and work because that just doesn't exist right now because your kitchen table is your office and your family time. And uh, it's always in front of us. And so this chronic uncertainty that we're dealing with um, just leads to being overwhelmed, exhausted, and and everything else. And as we sit, uh, add the election on top of it, we have all that stuff. So, um, and we're about to get a whole lot of time indoors for the pandemic again. And so we just don't know how we're going to really deal with this. And so, um, so I want to talk about burnout because I, a lot of companies, a lot of my clients, they're trying to get some kind of burnout recommendations to their people, uh, which is probably too little too late to be perfectly honest. Um, and, and, when we just say we're going to give you this, you know, free day off, or um, we're going to give you, um, I don't know, we're going to send cookies to your house to thank you for your time, like whatever. The, I'm hearing about all these things, and that, I just say that's not going to relieve burnout um, because we don't know what to do with that time. If you you can give us time, but we don't know how to use it, and so the important practical aspect of of responding to burnout, I want to cover in this. So first. Let's explain burnout. I'm going to give you this just kind of 10,000 foot view of burnout, where it comes from, what it is. Uh, I know you have felt it, but there's actually there's actually a process. There is a process to burnout and it has a measurement. And, uh, and I'm not joking. It's smart people went and figured this stuff out, which is great. And now I get to take their work and I get to explain it to you. So um, let's explain burnout. Burnout specifically from a workplace point of view. That's what I'm going to cover today, specifically workplace burnout. There are other types of being burned out 
that I'm not going to get into. I mean, it kind of overwhelms. We've got our whole, or overlaps. We've got our whole lives going in, in all these similar yet different directions. But I'm talking specifically today about workplace burnout because that has been recognized as an illness. And I don't know if it's in the manual of disorders. I think, I thought it was, maybe it's not, but they're talking about it. Like I, the DSM big psychological or, or psychiatric manual of disorders, um, it is an illness. It's being recognized as an illness, which is fascinating. That that that's that, um, and it has a, a measurement, and you can measure your workplace burnout. Now there are a lot of different. They've they've got these workplace burnout inventories. Um, it's a famous one called called Masback, Maslac, uh, something like that. And then there's that's the MBI, and then there's another one called BBI. I don't, I don't know what that one is, but um, effectively. If you Google it, you can find a workplace burnout. Don't even bother Googling it because they effectively have three states that you're operating in in terms of burnout, in terms of measuring burnout. Um, measurement comes in three states. You're either a cynic, cynicism, which we've all felt at work. I know you felt it at work. I feel it at work. Um, or at least I did when I was in corporate. So cynicism is number one. Two, exhaustion, where you just beat the hell down and you just need a break. And then number three is you completely detach from your job. And those are your states uh, of workplace burnout. And and when we talk about burnout, and I'm talking to you managers and, and managers of people, we have to tap in, we have to give people the resources they need to address workplace burnout before they get to the detachment part. Because once you're detached, you're not coming back. And when you have a detached employee, and now I'm speaking to you, detached employee, uh, you're probably doing damage to the organization. You're not helping the way that you can. You're basically just hoping they don't take away your paycheck. Um, and it's a miserable way to live, which you know because you're detached from your job and you're spending 50 hours, 60 hours of your week there, and, and you hate it. You hate every minute of it. Um, but these three states of operating in, in um, workplace burnout are the opposite of workplace engagement. And what we try to drive in an organization are, are these three states of workplace engagement. And they're vigor, they're like excitement, you know, there's dedication, I will do whatever you need, team, go team, go, and uh, absorption. And that is the absorption word I love because that's what we're all, all really looking for in work. And it's what you're looking for as a manager of people. You want someone absorbed in their work so that they love it and they're going to give you and they're going to give you everything for it and they're really excited by it. But it's also what we're looking for in our work. We want to be absorbed in our work. We want to love our work. And when we're, we talk about finding a job with purpose and we're finding this job with, with wonderful stuff and that's why I keep changing jobs. I can't find my purpose. You're looking for a type of work that you can be absorbed in. You want to be absorbed in your work. And uh, and those jobs exist. Uh, the problem is they don't pay very well. <laughs> that's why, you know, that's why you can't. Now, there, there are other aspects to this, of course. You've got culture and you've got, um, you know, the motivators for work and everything else. But what we really want, just that core thing that we want from, from work, is we want to be absorbed in our work. And that's when we know that we found something that we really love. So burnout occurs. So that's how you, those are the states of burnout and engagement. Burnout versus engagement, and they go toe to toe against each other, and um, it's a nice little, nice little scale. But when we talk about the process of burnout and the stages of burnout, um, when I read these, and I'll tell them to you, they they resonate with me because 
this is like my arc from every job in corporate I ever had. And it's why I jumped from one job to another, expecting something different, and then restart that arc. And uh, burnout occurs in, in five stages. Um, one, new work mode, you're excited, uh, you're committed, you're energetic. Uh, sounds great. I can't wait to get started and make such great change at this fine institution that you have hired. And you, I'm so happy you hired me and I'm going to make you proud. That's, that's stage number one. Stage two is the onset of stress. All right. That was the fun part. Everything else is, it's going to go to shit real quickly. So then you get the onset of stress. Stress comes from different things. Part of it is, you know, the self-doubt. I can't do this. Part of it is I don't know where to go. Like I, I literally can't make the progress because I haven't figured out my place yet. Um, which is, which is frustrating. Um, unrealistic deadlines, all these things are just onset of stress. And usually that comes and goes at the beginning because it's fighting your new work mode, task, excitement, um, commitment thing. So you get the stress, it's off your desk. Okay, good. I'm back. Now I can do this. So that's one and two. Those are your two stages. Then you get chronic stress where you, you're about three months in, you, you got your legs underneath you and uh, the stress keeps coming. So now you have unrealistic deadlines. People aren't doing uh, what you wanted. You're starting to realize that maybe this new job that you were so excited about is pretty much the same crap, different place as the last job. And so now you've got this chronic stress of, did I make a mistake? I'm not doing the right type of work. And this is frustrating. And then you get into burnout. And you get into these three states of burnout, cynicism, exhaustion, and detachment from your job. And burnout will take you to habitual burnout where it's just constant right? Normally when you get burned out, you get a little recovery and then you go back and it's okay. Like you came to that edge of that cliff and then you came out, but habitual burnout is, is massively unhealthy and, uh, it will affect your home life. It will affect your community life. It will affect everything. And, and this arc of, of work, which I always dealt with when I was in corporate, um, I always was waiting for someone else to give me the job that was going to make me absorbed and it never came. And I was doing the same job, different company, uh, same job, different company, same job, different company. And it's a cycle we've all gone through and it's something we have to address head on. And the reason we have to address it head on um, is because it comes from within, as hippie as that sounds. Uh, your ability to be absorbed in your work comes from what you wanna do and what you wanna bring and, and tapping into motivations and everything else. But when we talk about burnout, we have to address it completely head on. And that's with recovery. And it sounds counterintuitive to schedule um, relaxing into your work schedule when you have so much to get done. But the the research shows it. I can talk to it is when you when you are able to check out appropriately and come back from that that cliff of burnout, you're gonna be far more productive. And so, uh, but here's the thing with, with recovery, just like everything else, there's no silver bullet. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, as much as we want someone to tell us, like everyone's an expert, you know, everyone will tell you to meditate or do yoga or go swimming or, uh, get a puppy. Um, and all of these things can potentially help with, with recovery from burnout. And it depends on who you are and what you're looking to do. Um, what recovery looks like is different to everybody. And, um, for some it's meditation, yoga, that type of thing. For some it's running, um, others take a walk in the park, spend time with family, get a dog, 
do a puzzle, whatever. It's uh, it's one thing that you can lose track. The way I like to describe it for your recovery activity is to find the one thing that you can lose track of time doing. And it's generally not television. It's generally not television. Uh, it may be a book. Um, it's something where you can think. You still have to think during recovery. And um, I mean, for me, I, I it sounds odd. I play with Excel. I make long lists of stuff, and um, I don't always get them done. But I'll like plan out a year of you know something, and it's uh, I love to plan, and I feel like I've accomplished something, and it helps me get organized. And I could lose track of time for hours doing that stuff. I just love doing it. So, uh, and I also love running and everything else, but, um, it's difficult to find this time because your, your, your focus, your downtime, your, um, personal relationships, everything, um, it's difficult to turn that switch off. And, uh, that's because we haven't found the right recovery and we're still worried about the uncertainty at work, uncertainty at home. And we feel guilty about taking these breaks and time off. But at the end of the day, it's how you are after. Um, and I always, I, I like to talk about people, uh, not, not talking about people, but when we talk about working out or eating healthily, you don't go for a run because you enjoy running. You go for a run because you like how you feel after you ran. You don't eat a kale salad because it's delicious. You eat a kale salad because you feel better than eating a burger and fries. And, um, if you want to perform and sustain a high work level, you have to give some thought to planning some recovery time. And the reason you want that recovery time is how you're going to feel after the recovery time. Not necessarily in the moment. It's going to feel nice and relaxing in the moment. But the benefit you get out of it is after your recovery time because everything starts working into, into a higher gear. And so um, every day, plan some recovery time. And it's learn to love to walk. Uh, this is why we pick up new habits. It's not, we don't do these new habits because we like to do it. We don't actually like to change things. What we, what we realize after we pick up a new habit that's beneficial for us is we enjoy how it feels after. I don't get up at four o'clock in the running, in the morning to go running because I like doing it. I love getting home at five or 5.30 and saying, oh, I felt amazing after that great run. That's why I do it. And that's why everybody else will do these new habits and try to find these new things. That's what we need to find from a recovery perspective. When we're dealing with burnout, what's the one thing or two things or three things that you can do that will take you away and get you absorbed into something else? That's the recovery that you need. So to recap, uh, burnout is coming just like winter is coming. And it's going to come if you're not there yet. I will, I, I'm willing to put big money that you are in one of those three stages of burnout, cynicism, um, detachment from your job, or um, I guess the middle one is what, exhaustion. So um, exhaustion is probably where most of us are now. But some people are very detached. And so I'm willing to put big money that you're in one of those states, and it's going to get worse as the winter comes, not to be a Debbie Downer. Um, And as we get uh, stuck indoors and, and it's going to be difficult and work home stress. And, um, we're in habitual burnout stage. And so that's it, but you do have the capability. I believe in you. I believe in you that you have the capability to, to build those barriers and lanes and, and easier said than done. I get it. Um, but we have to plan it somehow, whether it's first thing in the morning or the end of the day. And if you plan it and it doesn't work, then find a different time. 
or find a different activity. This is a, a, a high, high stakes, high, uh, high benefit type of uh, thing for you to do. So find that one thing that will drive your absorption that you can go to that is not work, that is not your stress, that is not your burnout, and lose sense of time and start planning that. And, uh, and that will help. I hope it helps. I believe it will help. And good luck. So have a good week. Thank you for listening. Check out the website, bellwetherhub.com. We have stuff for you to listen to, check out. And uh, I'm happy to announce the book will be coming out January 2021. I just finished the layout of it. It looks delightful. So stay tuned for more on that. And thank you for listening. I'll be talking to you all soon. Have a great week. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon.